0: Welcome to healthcare it today i'm john lynn together with my colleague and friend colin Hun. the world of technology and healthcare ever changing in new and novel ways and that's why we love this stuff so join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health it news meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives plus we'll have a little fun along the way on today's episode we're talking about health equity And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag H-I-T-S-M and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 16 years of Health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. Ready for another episode, Kong? Always ready, John. It's going to be fun. I'm not. I, I just finished a series of five
1: conferences in three weeks, so I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> is, John, so basically what you're saying is you're, you've gone old school. This is like back to 2019.
0: Right? Yeah, fall conference season is
1: back, which, you know, when we started this, uh, this
0: show, it literally, I think in the description says, John and Colin are traveling around to all these conferences and hear what they said. Well, I guess that wasn't true for the last two years, but it is now. <laughs>
1: Oh, goodness. Well, hey, it's been fun. And I know I've been living vicariously through your trips. So that's been that's been good. You got Uh, two of them this time. I did. I did. Two (laughs) out of those five I did go to. So that's that was good. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that uh, that I've noticed, and certainly one of the uh, inspirations for for this episode is the fact that it has this topic of health equity has come up a lot in a lot of the conferences we're going to. And a lot of um, uh, sessions have been have been uh, happening on it. So, you know, so let me, let me start by asking you this question, John. Like, what is health equity when we say that term? What, what does that mean to you?
0: Yeah, I think it's... Uh, a large topic. Right. And so I, I think it's hard to define because it applies to so many aspects of healthcare and so many situations. So, you know, I, I think that it's one of the challenges is it's so broad and, and and it's so embedded in the culture of everything we do that I think that's what makes it hard. And I think that's also important to, to talk about the difference of equity versus equality. Right. And, I, you know, I, I think health equity is a really important thing because, We're not going to make everything equal, but we can work harder to make it more equitable and to provide, you know, services and and opportunity and access to care, et cetera, et cetera, to those that have it disadvantaged, right? And and I think it also applies for me, you know, in a big way, is you know, how do we provide care to people in a way that makes sense for that individual? And I, I think that's one of the exciting things that we're going to talk about, I think, on this episode is that. It, you know, the technology can provide a more equitable future if it's done the right way. Of course, if it's, in, you know, our culture is so embedded with inequity that the technology just reflects that inequity, then that's a problem. But the good news is that the technology can lower the cost to make a personalized, equitable uh, treatment, et cetera, diagnosis, everything a better. You know, technology can do that if it's applied correctly.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're so right that this is sort of a very broad topic. It's almost like, you know, when we talk about SDOH, right. Or when yeah. we talk about interoperability, like there's so many aspects and nuances to it. You know, for me, you know, I kind of, you know, having been to a few of these sessions, right. You, you know, the definition that, that everyone seems to, to gravitate towards is health equity, meaning the, the um, ensuring as many people as possible or that everyone basically has the chance to be as healthy as possible right mm. and when you th- when you think that in that way it's it goes beyond health care and yeah. well and now encompasses also wellness right and 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 also encompasses things that that traditionally have fallen under the sdoh um, umbrella like access to to healthy food and and to uh, health literacy and education and even access to to um uh, broadband and things like that but you know, to me, health equity kind of encompasses all of that. So it's the right, it's essentially the right to be as healthy as possible. And I think everyone has definitely does have that right. But to your point, it's not equality. It's not saying that, oh, like everyone should be able to get surgery whenever they want. Like that's not what health equity is about, which it does get confused with. Right. And, yeah. And I think people who are in this space and who are advocating for it are quick to point that out, to say, this is not an, an argument for universal care <laughs> or a single yeah. payer. It is not about that. It's about, okay, like, how do I make you, given your social and economic st- uh, status and your, your, your uh, place, how can I help you to be healthy as possible? And right now, there's obviously some gap, big gaps, uh, when you look at it with that lens. Yeah,
0: well, and I think it's, it gets confused and it gets politicized in a big way, because it's embedded, unfortunately, in in many of the aspects of life, whether it's poverty, whether it's, uh, you know, racial inequities, uh, you know, and, and so it gets embedded in those types of topics. And so then it becomes this hot button issue that is hard to talk about, where at the end of the day, you know, I think many of us look at it and say, yeah, I mean, the vision of all of us receiving the best care possible, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of where you live, how you were raised, you know, like that. I think that's something we all believe should happen. I think the challenge is we have so many systems that are just embedded with some of those inequities and the problem is so grand that it's like, Oh, where do you even start? Right.
1: And that's, that's that's a key one, right? Like, and that's why I've been so encouraged, you know, going and hearing these people talk at sessions and so forth and just seeing some of the technologies that are starting to come out in terms of they're not trying to solve everything, yeah. right? They're, they are trying to pick up, let's pick off one problem. Let's address this desert or let's address, you know, same, same service but yet not tailored towards one particular population and therefore they don't join or they, they, they are, they fall out of the program faster. Like those kinds of things make sense to me. It's like, okay, you well, you're already offering this program, but you're the, the profile of the people in it is very uniform. And the reason might be because it's not being delivered the way uh, or using the right technology or being using technology that's actually exclusive. And maybe you didn't realize that. So there's a lot of things like that. And I'm encouraged by, By the solutions, not trying to boil that in big, big, big ocean.
0: Yeah, I'd still describe where we're at as we're in this kind of awareness phase that, you know, I I think that's part of any large transition like this is just first becoming aware that this is a problem and that we need to work on it. And, and like you said, it has to happen across a whole spectrum of things. And, and so I think that's what we see at events, mm-hmm. is this awareness and this desire to have those discussions and to shed light on some of these challenges. I, you know, I, I think we know where this heads, unfortunately, is that, okay, now we've had awareness and there's going to be a decade of awareness that, that, that it's going to happen. And then there's going to be people frustrated that haven't we been talking about this for a decade and and they're going to be right. You know, we probably should do more and we should push it faster and all that. Right. But these type of cultural sea changes do take time and consistent effort. Um, You know, it's kind of like any, any large project, right. Or, you know, they they say, uh, you know, a marathon starts with the first step, right. You know, and fortunately I think that's just the reality of where we're at. Uh, You know, I, I don't think we should use that as an excuse to, to, you know, for an action, But, you know, I think that awareness is starting to happen.
1: I'm seeing it more and more in events. Yeah, you were talking about that before, you know, John, off air, like, can you give us some examples of some of the things you've seen in terms of, you know, what's what you've seen at at events around health equity?
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of them that I really loved was at the HLTH conference. Uh, You know, I I think it was Michael Peterson that I saw share it, but I think some other he'd taken it from some other people as well. But, you know, he shared this picture of a meetup for for all of these uh, people of color uh, that had gotten together. And and if if I remember right, you know, sorry if I quote it wrong, but it was something like I've never been around so many people like me that you know that at an event like this and so it was just you 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 could sense from the tone of what he shared that it was it was somewhat transformative and empowering to to be with peers in healthcare it and you know obviously you know michael interacts with everyone he's a he, he's really a great guy but i think you know it just you know gave him some hope i think for the future uh, as far as what is going and i actually think that's one of the challenges for events that you know we organize our own events as well and and it's a challenge to incorporate equity into your program because the numbers are against us you know if you want to have cios and you want to have some female or some you know african american cios there just aren't that many. Right. And so, you know, the numbers are against us as an event organizer to incorporate them. I mean, and so then you start going to the same well and you're like, I, I, you know, maybe, yeah, I think, you know, maybe we talked about this on a previous episode, we need to diversify our own connections to solve that problem as well.
1: Yeah. Or, or you just have to change the nature of, of the panel or of the event. So maybe it's not all CIOs, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, more broadly defined, you know, it's being in health IT. But you're right. I mean, you have to work at it, right? And I think that's, that's I think, the the point, And the, what I draw from what you're saying is that it can be done. You can create um, more equity in the events in your products and, and, and all those kinds of things in your, in your uh, service offerings if you're a provider. It just takes a lot more effort. And, and what, we're, what I'm seeing, like you, is there's finally some uh, work being done to do that effort. or to make that effort to acknowledge that okay efforts required in these areas whereas before i think not that people have turned a blind eye i just think people didn't realize right that that by doing a smoking cessation program that's only available on an ipad well basically you've cut out a, a big chunk of a population that smoke right who can't afford an ipad and who don't have access to data plans right but you probably didn't think of that when you designed your program right um, and 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 because maybe the people who enrolled in the program in the first place were all on on insurance well, if you have insurance you probably can afford an iPad like all these inherent biases that are in a lot of the services that we provide are only now becoming uh, people are becoming aware of it which which in my mind is really what a lot of the sessions I'm seeing are really about it's it's not so much about talking about, oh, here's how we solve it. Here's the roadmap to get to 2030 where we have equity. Uh, no, it's, it's really more of like, guys, there's a problem. Here's the small slice that we're taking a shot at uh, to try and fix. But man, it's a, it's a big issue, right? And, and and yeah, it's not so much alarmist, but more of, hey, we got to open our eyes here because it's everywhere. And unless you start opening your eyes, you we can't change it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought the Apple watch was going to solve all our health problems. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you just look at Android as more popular. Right. <laughs> and a lot of the apps don't even work for Android. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's iOS specific or different things. Right. So, uh, yeah, even when they talk about Apple solving it with health kit. Right. Like, no, that's not an equitable equitable solution because the majority of people, especially poor people, don't have iPhones. They have Android. So you know, I, I think that's an interesting example. You know, there is an interesting thing I've been looking at, and we saw this in our in-person events even more so. But I've seen it on the CIO podcast as well, and that's when we when I've asked uh, you know because we've tried to include a a diverse set of people, and you know we've had some Latin people, we've had some international. We, it's been nice, but, you know when we focus on a number of women and what's interesting is whenever i ask a man to be on a podcast or to speak at our conference or take part in our event 95% of the time yeah great let's do it and with with women though when i'd ask them they'd be like oh let me think about it and you know what let's talk this over see if it's a good fit and It's just shocking, like how different the response is. And when it was in-person events, I mean, I I don't know exactly why, right? But if in-person events, my theory was, okay, there's childcare, there's all sorts of things like that. But I think now that it's persisted with like the podcast, which is like literally hop on for 45 minutes, right? It's not a heavy lift. It's interesting how many of them sit there and be like, do I have something to share? I think that's what's going on in the head, right? And it's it's a similar to the whole employer stuff, right? Where a guy will apply to a job, you know, if if they have seventy percent of the qualifications, whereas a woman may need, you know, feel like they need ninety percent or ninety-five or whatever, right? You know, if they see something that disqualifies them, they just won't apply. And I think it's that principle that we've seen studied heavily that's applied here. So I mean, it, it's interesting how many how much, you know. Effort I have to do, which I actually love doing, which is just tell them, uh I asked you for a reason, like because I know you have something to share. So,
1: anyway, I think that's an interesting piece of it, too. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. And today we're talking about health equity. And we want to give a shout out to two people that have been really advocating for health equity over the last uh, few months and certainly a few years. And that is Abner Mason, and he is at Abner Mason on Twitter, and Sharice Menard, who is at Sharice May MBA, also on Twitter. Check them out. You will not be disappointed with the information and the resources they share, not only on this topic, but in a whole bunch of health IT and healthcare topics in general. Um, So, John, let's kind of change gears a little bit and talk about technology related to health equity. Where do you feel technology can help in terms of Um, balancing the scales, so to speak, in terms of health equity.
0: Yeah. So if I start with like, okay, if we're at the awareness phase of this, I think the data is going to be the key. And we saw this just blow up during COVID, Where the data said, you know what, we're not doing a good job. This isn't very equitable. And and the impact is not equitable as well. So I think having that data opens our eyes to a lot of things that we probably were ignorant to before, you know, whether it's purposeful or not, doesn't really matter. But, uh, you know, the fact that we have the data forces us to kind of re- you know, reconcile with that data and acknowledge it and then make a choice, right? Whereas before, maybe you could be kind of ignorant to some of the choices. Now the data is there and, and, and you're going to have to make a choice to not be equitable or to see it and say, what can I do to solve this?
1: Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I think the pendulum is shifting because I know years ago, I remember getting into debates with uh, with people around, you know, should we collect gender and race and uh, income level information when people were signing up for stuff, right? Whether that was checking in for a doctor's office or even signing up for uh, you know insurance and and those kinds of things, because you know people were like, oh, well, that could be used against you. Turns out, yeah, it could have. So there's still that danger, but yeah. without that information, we can't actually now quantify how biased or how inequitable something is, hmm. right? So. So because a lot, a lot of people are saying a lot of some of the data sets that are available in healthcare don't have that information in it because it was viewed as, well, we don't want to be biased. Well, the point is actually we probably are biased and just from not collecting <laughs> it, not collecting it doesn't mean you're not biased because yeah. you're hiding the, the problem can't be seen. So I find it interesting that, you know, you went to the data, which is exactly where my went to as well, that that's where it starts. Like, I think we have to acknowledge that, Hey, it's okay to collect this. If this is one of the reasons why you're using it. Right, to show or to demonstrate, hey, there might be a little bit of an issue with this data set. It's not as diverse as I thought it was, uh, especially as we start talking about AI. Training an AI engine on a diverse data set is what you want, but how do you know? Like That information is not there, so we need to collect it in the first place. So that's step one. I agree that that's where obviously some technology uh, can help. Uh, so just simply adding those fields to your forms and, and making people aware why you're collecting it, I think would be very helpful.
0: Yeah, and I love that you went to AI because one of the best examples of this where I've seen it in action is a company, Visual DX, which I think we've talked about before, but they made a specific effort to incorporate multiple skin types because they have an AI engine that analyzes your skin and, you know, diagnoses you know, some sort of rash, et cetera. Right. Things like that on the dermatology space largely. And so they had to do like extra effort to ensure that they didn't just create an AI engine that worked for, for white people. Right? right, which they could have easily done, right? If they weren't careful, if they weren't thoughtful in how they designed it, they could have built this amazing AI, AI engine that works great for white people. <laughs> but instead they realized, no, you know, the skin of, of various uh, people of color is very different and the different diseases show up differently in those different skin types. And, and in fact, in many cases, it's a, it's a bigger problem for some of those uh, various uh, skin types. So, you know, they made a, a consistent effort to solve that problem, but they, you know, it took them understanding this was a problem and then, you know, diving in and ensuring that the data that their AI engine used to analyze it under, uh, you know, had enough data from various skin types to solve the problem which you know that's i i say that simply and you're like yeah that just seems obvious why wouldn't you want to do that but guess what that's expensive (laughs) like as a startup you 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 don't want to have any extra expenses (laughs) and so doing this is actually an expense but you can tell they did it because they wanted theirs to be the right solution and not just go after the almighty dollar
1: yeah, now that's a whole topic on itself. In fact, that's an article I've been working on for a while now in terms of bias in AI and how it's inherent, and how sometimes the builders of AI don't even realize or might not realize that the data set that you're using is inherently biased towards one group or another. It's great that VisualDX is kind of um, you know, actively seeking uh, you know, diversity in the, to train their AI, which will make their product that much better. But uh, you know, moving away from AI for just a second, you know, to, back to your awareness um, a comment, John, one of the companies and one of the technologies that I've always been a big fan of and that can really help in this area is, of course, GIS, uh, geospatial, uh, um, geospatial systems, where they can actually literally, literally map uh, on a map the different areas and zones. So, of course, uh, my mind goes to a company like uh, Esri, who has done some really great maps on identifying deserts whether that's a food desert, a pharmacy desert, a, a specialist desert, they're able to map coverage areas and say, okay, look, there's this blank zone of this one community where there's no fresh food, there's no access to a pharmacy within uh, dry, you know, within walking distance or transit distance, two-stop transit distance. And basically there's no doctors in this area, right? Like, and so this can help city planners, this can help people like payers to kind of go, oh, okay, if you live in this zone, this is going to be a problem for you. So how do I maybe give you some transit credits or maybe I give you something else because you have to bus outside to get access to the program or the food that I'm recommending here, right? And similarly with doctors now, you know, using GIS, when you make a referral, you can base it on geography. How many transit stops does it going to take for this person to get either from work or from home to this person I'm recommending? And that may change your rec- referral recommendation, right? These are all things that can help with Equity, right? And addressing the health equity, just simple mapping of physical mapping of someone's situation.
0: Yeah, uh, you know it is interesting the mapping. I think it's just going to blow up. It already is to some extent. And the beauty is all that data is there. I mean, <laughs> how amazing is, is this world that that is just easy to do now? I mean, to some extent, right. you know, you have to have the data.
1: Yeah, no, but you're absolutely right. Like the social economic data is readily available through. Uh, companies like LexisNexis and even uh, Public Data that can show just relative income level, average income levels, right, uh, in 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 these areas, and that, that's really really helpful. And when you see it mapped, it is, it is something. It's like what you said before. So sort of like, oh, that's obvious. Like, it, it's obvious there's there's nothing in this zone because it's an industrial zone. But yet we have people who live there, right. right? Um. So anyway, it's it's just nice. It's nice when you're able to visualize it because then you can address the problem.
0: Yeah, I love that you said LexisNexis too. They have an entire department, I was talking to them recently, that's just for health IT companies to get access to that data, which I think is so empowering because a lot of people try to control the data, but LexisNexis is like, no, we need this data embedded in the applications that they use, which I think is, you know, what we need to really solve some of these problems. I think it's interesting too, though, just to shift gears a little, you know, you mentioned, you know, Having a smartphone as a, a problem and an inequity for many people, and what so we need text messaging, etc. But what's interesting is that phone is also going to be one of the greatest tools to solve some of the inequity. So it's fascinating how in one way, if they don't have it, then it, 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 you know, it causes an inequity. But it's also going to solve some of the inequities that are out there because it turns out a phone, you know, what what's your phone plan? New, let's say it's a massive plan, you know, like fifty dollars a month. You know, that's like six thousand dollar problem. Well, you know, and could that solve a thirty thousand dollar surgery? That's easy math, right? <laughs> like right. once you get into a value based arrangement, you're happy to pay for a six thousand dollar phone that is really inexpensive compared to thirty thousands or. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, get into you know things like dialysis and you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it, it's like it's, it's kind of a double edged type of thing where it's like the phone could be an inequity, but it also could help provide equity and equitable access to care through telehealth and other things like that.
1: Well, it's it's true, and I think we're, we're, I think to me where this manifests is the device itself is a solvable problem. Uh, You can get donations. You can be aware that when you roll out a program of your own, that there will be people who may not have a smartphone device. And so maybe you have some available that they could take home, older models, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think that is solvable. The harder part is, okay, well, how do they connect? Right, like where do they get Wi-Fi? Do they have to go to like Starbucks? Right? Do they have to go to the McDonald's to get Wi-Fi? The broadband is the bigger issue, and and there still are so many areas where broadband is not nearly as accessible. So, agree. Like we're not saying that everyone has to have a data plan, but even just a having a smartphone, yes, that's one problem solvable. But then where do they go to access safely access Wi-Fi? And that can be a little bit of a that's more of a cultural issue, a society issue to say, hey, you know, McDonald's are you gonna let people just sort of hang out here and hey, the reason why they're hanging out is because they're trying to get health information, right? They're seeing their doctor, you know, not the best place, but if that's the only place you can get Wi-Fi, well, you know, there you go, right? Or the same with Starbucks and things like that. So this is a big, it's a big problem. I actually had a conversation with uh, Abner about this, who, by the way, his company, Kensejo Sano, check it out. Like they're definitely doing some things that are directly uh, addressing health equity, especially for um, members in, in the sort of multicultural Medicaid Medicare populations. Uh, he's doing some fantastic work there, um, but yeah, like this is this is the issue. Is it, it's it's so multifaceted, right? Like t- you're pointing yeah. out, hey, the device is one. I'm pointing out broadband's another.
0: Yeah. And it is a problem. I was talking to Joel Vanko from Bay state health, the CIO there. And he said, John, we can do all sorts of creative things. We already do. And and they, I think they're a pay provider, right? The payer provider. So they have some unique situations. They could do some cool stuff. He's like, but we have the app, but we have some areas that there just is those inequities. He said, if I can solve that, that would be valuable to me because we can build whatever apps we want. We can provide whatever incentive programs we want. But if they don't use them, then who cares? Right.
1: Right. Very true. I do have to give another shout out very quickly um, to my friend, uh, Lisa Guliteri, who has uh, uh, created a company uh, or an organization called RecycleHealth.com. Uh, that's where you can send your old trackers and your yeah. old Fitbits and your old, uh, you know, those kinds of things. Because like smartphones, a lot of times, a lot of the tools that can help somebody require a tracker, right? The, yeah. the simple monitoring that's provided. And I don't know about you, but I got a couple sitting in my drawer all the time. And when Lisa <laughs> told me about her program, I was like, oh, instantaneously, I'm going to send some over, right? But yeah. That's what she does. She takes these old, uh, older devices and then cleans them up and makes them available to people who are in these programs who can't afford them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'll should give another shout out to to Spora Health. Uh, We got a video interview that will be posted on Healthcare IT Today by the time this comes out. Uh, And this is a primary care for people of color, uh, largely through telehealth right now. And but they also have an institute that helps educate people on the biases they may have as they treat people. And I mean, it's it, a fascinating interview. And I think we're gonna to see tons more like this, right? Of personalization to the inequities
1: to solve some of these massive problems. Lots of fun stuff in this area. John, we could probably spend a whole other hour talking about this, but we've come to the another end of another episode of Healthcare IT Today. So thanks to all of you who've tuned in. And for more details about our show, check out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com. And of course, on Twitter using the hashtag i I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.